morning. We are blessed to have Jeff and Cindy with us today, and uh, we need to be in prayer, excited about our opportunity to be able to give our goal being 21000 here at Heritage, and I know that we will exceed that because we are a very generous church in lots of different ways, and I'm blessed to be part of it. Um, listen, I know that Huck said a while ago something about gifts and making sure that you, uh, you finish that up. Some of you had not even started yet, have you? Raise your hands. Let me see. Nobody wants to admit it. I'll admit it. Uh, anyway, we have been in this series. God is with us. We have heard about hope. Last week we heard about love. Today we talk about joy. Now, it's a whole lot easier to talk, start talking about joy. Sometimes it's a whole lot easier to talk about what joy isn't. What about this picture here? This, is this sort of look like joy to you? Who is that? Oscar the Grouch, right? What about, what about this one? We're going old school now. Who is that, Phil? You know? Y'all are lost. That's grumpy. Come on now, people. You know? All right, what about this one right here? This is, this is noticeable. <laughs> There's some similarities between some of you that as I look this morning, I look up there and, and uh, you know, and, and so we, we think about it that way, but also there's the other side, there's, there's, there's uh, none of those represent, but then what about this one right here? It's sort of like the opposite. You know, you might think this is joy, but this isn't joy, is it? You know, I, as I've looked, I've seen this word joy all over the place. I saw it last night on a lady in a restaurant that had joy on her shirt. And uh, she was joyful until her kid bit her on the arm. I'm not going to tell you what she said, but uh, it wasn't a joyful moment. I can promise you that. All of a sudden, I saw the dad pick the kid up, and he was standing in the corner for the rest of the time. But, uh, but anyway, listen, here's a definition of joy that I found. I found it's pretty interesting. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life and the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be okay, and the determined choice, listen, to praise God in all things. In other words, joy isn't an emotion, it's not a feeling, but it's a, it's a choice, that whatever situation we may find ourselves in, that because of the assurance that God is in control, He is sovereign, I can, you can, we can all choose what? Let me say that one more time. Since we understand that God is in control, he's sovereign, that he's all-powerful, that I can choose what? Joy. But our joy is under attack every day, isn't it? And inside of the Christmas story, we're going to look at some enemies of joy as well as what are some of our responses, what should our responses be. So why don't you turn over to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be there in just a few minutes. But the first enemy of joy that I want you to look at today is that of anxiety or fear. Anxiety or fear. Where is the joy when I'm stressed out, when I'm worried, when I'm fearful, when I'm afraid? You know, because when anxiety comes in the front door, guess what goes out the back? Joy. I lose that joy. When you read the Christmas story, if you pay close attention to what's taking place, there's an awful lot of anxiety and stress that's taking place. I mean, think about Mary, for goodness sake. Jennifer, this girl is somewhere between 12 to 15 years old, probably more close between 13 and, and 14 at best. 
And it wasn't unusual at that day and time. I mean, this, this young girl is not in her 20s and 30s. And, you know, I, she's not mature. She's just a young girl. She's engaged to this man by the name of Joseph to be married. She's told by an angel that she's going to give birth to a son, but it would be a virgin birth. Now, I want you to try to explain that one. But after working through all the difficulties, just a day before she was supposed to give birth, her and Joseph decide that they're going to go back to Nazareth, from Nazareth to Bethlehem for the census. And here is Mary, nine months pregnant. She's riding on the back of a donkey. Can you imagine those conversations? To arrive in Bethlehem to find out that there's no room in the end, no rest, only a stable with some hay and a bunch of farm animals according to the, the, the stories that I've seen over the years, the plays that I've seen. And yet this night, this young teenage girl, she would deliver a child without the help of not a doctor and not a midwife and not her mother there, any other family members except this young man by the name of Joseph. Talk about stress. You remember the first baby being born? You remember the amount of stress and anxiety that there was? I do. After 12 years of dealing with infertility, Meredith's pregnant. We're 33 weeks in, Bill. Goodness gracious, Meredith wants to go to Target after church on a Wednesday night. When a pregnant woman wants to go to Target after church on a Wednesday night, you go to Target. <laughs> we go to Target. She's in that nesting stage. Then a matter of minutes, there's this panic because something has happened and we didn't know what it was. I mean, we weren't experts at this. I mean, I've been raised on a farm, but when it comes to water breaking, I didn't have a clue what it was going on. But at 33 weeks, Meredith's water broke. We're on the back. I mean, man, this is panic. I mean, we'd already been through several miscarriages. We didn't know what was going on. This wasn't supposed to happen at this time. On the way back, I remember on the phone toward the hospital, on the phone with the doctor, and Doug says, look, everything's going to be okay. It's your water. It broke. Just go home, take a breather, come see me in the morning. This happens from time to time. We get to the house. Listen, when mama goes to shaving her legs, you know something's happening, okay? <laughs> you with me? That's just the way it is. Baby, what are you doing? She's packing up, shaving legs, all that kind of stuff. She says, um, I think we need to go to the hospital. What do you mean we need to go to the hospital? She goes, well, I'm having contractions. Contractions? Well, you know, I had been in Lamar's class. I knew what contractions meant. I knew that there were false contractions, okay? So we get to the hospital. We walk, walk up the stairs to where we were at. She goes and she tells the nurse what's going on. She, oh, honey, just go have a seat. You know, she's thinking, this little girl, she would have a clue what's going on. She's plenty of time. These are false contractions. Those Braxton Hicks contractions, okay? They finally call her back, and then it began to happen. There was a lot of movement in a very short amount of time. I remember Doug coming in, and after he came in, he came back out, and he said, well, I got good news and bad news. I said, well, he said, the bad news is I was wrong. <laughs> the good news is that there's a baby going to be born here in just a little bit, and it ain't going to be long. And it was at that time, on December the 6th, 2000, that Abigail Kristen was born. It was a stressful time, people. And we're in the hospital. 
surrounded by people that loved us and people that we loved. And, you know, inside of the story of Christmas, we find the word afraid or fearful a minimum of seven times. But here's Mary, a young girl, at a time when she could have been anxious and fearful. She made a choice. She made a choice. And I want you to look it with me in the Christmas story and let's see what happened as we make our way through. And the story begins like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel, angel Gabriel to Nazareth. So here is, um, here is Elizabeth, who was her cousin, married to a man by the name of Zacharias. There's a whole story behind that. She had been barren all of her life, and now, um, now she's pregnant. And it says that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin by the name of Mary. Here's one of our, our subjects, our characters. She was engaged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and he said to her, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed? Yeah. Mary tried to think, what in the world could the angel mean? Don't be afraid, Mary. He said, for you have found favor with God. Now, you can really pass over that, can't you? I mean, it'd be really simple just to pass right on over that. But, the, but the, here's the point is that Mary was chosen by God and he had a purpose for our life. How many of us have ever thought or even began to recognize that God has chosen you and that he has a purpose for your life? Yet how many of us struggle with that because we we refuse to or struggle to accept God's plan. And the angel goes on to tell Mary, you will conceive and birth, give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Can you imagine writing up this birth, birth announcement? We are excited today to, to announce the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Mother Mary, Father, to be determined. She wasn't married. Mary asked the obvious question. Mary said, but Lord, how, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. Now, we need to stop there. If you've got a problem, you, understand, you don't understand that. If you'll come see me afterwards or have a little private conversation to explain to what that means, okay? But the angel went on to say, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth, the one that we had just talked about, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. It was a stigma that followed that. But she has conceived a son and she is now in her sixth month. For the word, the word of the Lord will never, the Lord God will never fail. And so you've got this young 12, 13, 14, 15 at most, young, young girl, young girl receiving this message. And we've been, we've been talking about Mary, but, but what about you? Um, what, what, what is it that you may be anxious or fearful of? What is it that has your stomach in knots? What is it that is keeping you up in the middle of the night that you can't seem to get out of your mind that seems to, to roll around? I mean, is it your health? Is, is it your finances? Is it your, is it your family? Is it issues going on at work? I don't know how you're handling those that anxiety, that stress, it seems to be overwhelming you. But I'll tell you what Mary chose to do in that moment when she was anxious and afraid. She, she trusted God and she accepted his plan.
She was confident that God was in control and that he knew exactly what he was doing and that he had a plan. Here is a little girl, a young girl, 12, 13, 14, 15, let me say that again, who had huge faith. And the story goes on to say in verse 38, Mary responded, look at how she, what she said, I'm the Lord's servant. Exactly what, what Jeff had said a while ago, here I am, Lord, send me. Take me, choose me, pick me. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And at that moment in time when Mary could have been overwhelmed by all of the unknowns and, and all of the things that were out there, instead of responding with anxiety and fear, she chose to trust God and accept his plan. When Mary could have said, look, I'm out of here. I'm done. I don't know where this is going. She said, Lord, use me, send me. And the decision that Mary faced is the exact same decision that every one of us face. You know, Zenith, you got to face that decision. Josh, you got to face that decision. Johnny, you face those decisions. Chris, you have to face those decisions. I mean, all of us in this room, Ryan, you have to face the exact same decision that Mary faced in times. And what do we do? How do we respond? At some point in the journey, we all are going to face those times when we don't, when we're anxious and we're fearful. And let me say this right here. Our saying yes to God and submitting to God is a pathway to joy. And we don't have to say yes because we've got it all figured out and because there's a plan and we understand everything because it all makes sense, but we choose to trust God, period. It was a few days after the encounter that, that uh, Mary had with the angel that Mary ended up visiting with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth said to Mary in verse 45, she said, you are blessed because you will, you, you what? You're, you're blessed. Mary said to her, you're blessed because you what? Believed. Believed that the Lord would do what he said. And Mary's response to that is, was this in verse 46, a portion. How my soul praises the Lord. How my soul rejoices or is joyful in God my Savior. In her her spirit was joyful, not because the bills were paid. Her spirit was joyful, not because, you know, her health was good. Her spirit was joyful because she trusted in the faithfulness of, of God. She knew that God was trustworthy. She knew that he was faithful. I want you to write down another enemy that we find inside of the story that of bitterness and resentment. Bitterness and resentment. See, there's no way that we can be bitter and joyful at the same time. Mm. And how much of that bitterness and resentment comes from being hurt? Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced that. Some of you are carrying around the weight of hurt, and as a, a result, I mean, there's all kinds of things that are going on inside of you. And this name may not be hurt from yesterday or the day before. This may be hurt that goes back years and even decades. Some of your wounds go all the way back to your childhood. Maybe it was mental abuse or maybe it was physical abuse. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was emotional abuse or even sexual abuse. To that, I say I'm sorry. I wish there was something that I could do to fix it, but I can't. It just reminds me that live, we live in a broken world, in a broken world that's filled with broken 
people and many times the pain that we carry around. Yes, people in this room as well as people that are listening online that, that are carrying around unbearable, unfathomable pain. And some of you might say, but you know, it's, and it's just not fair. And it's right, it's not fair. It's not fair at all. We, feel, we live in a world filled with sin, the darkness of sin, and that sin causes us not only to rebel against God, it causes us to, to bring hurt to one another. And that hurt may be intentional and it may be unintentional. But then again, there's some of you that, that are listening to my voice this morning. It may not be the fact that, you've, that you have received hurt, but you may be the one who caused the hurt. And as a result of that, you're carrying around the weight. Some of you know what it's like to be betrayed You've been hurt by somebody that's loved you, somebody that you trusted deeply. I was just in a conversation with somebody the other day that was carrying around this huge amount of weight, this burden on their shoulders. And I told them, I said, look, if there was a way that I could fix it, I would do anything I could to fix it. But regardless of the pain, regardless of the offense that we have received, every one of us have to, to make a choice of how we're going to respond to that. What are we going to choose to do? Are we going to choose bitterness and resentment? And when we do, if we do, what it does is it steals, steals away our, our joy. You know, I've, I've been with some people on their deathbed. Some people that have been holding on to, to unforgiveness and bitterness for years. I've, 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 I've been there and I've watched those that are on their deathbed that have been robbed of joy because they've refused to forgive. And maybe, maybe they refused to forgive because they thought that in some way if they were to forgive, what it would do is it would act as, in, uh, as an approval or an agreement with an action that was caused against them. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. But in reality, what forgiveness is saying, forgiveness isn't saying that, um, listen, I just forgive you, but what it's really saying is I'm not going to let you steal my joy. That's what it's saying. We think about the Christmas story. I want you to think about the feelings and the emotions of Joseph. Can you imagine what it was like to get word? My wife-to-be is pregnant. Can you think of betrayal? Can you think of the fact that he, man, the, he's been lied to? I mean, here he is planning a wedding, and now this, maybe you've been in that situation where you felt lied to. The Bible says that Mary and Joseph, they had been betrothed. There was a legal contract that had been agreed to between two families, that betrothal, um, it was a time, it was a, it was a time that took place that was, a, it was like a commitment prior to a commitment. It was like a wedding prior to the wedding. And that year, um, it, was a, it was a time of being set aside where they had promised themselves to one another. It was a time of preparation. And by Jewish law, if either party were unfaithful, there were serious, serious consequences. And here's Mary coming to Joseph telling him she's pregnant. Man, I can, I can just picture that conversation. Yet even in the confusion and the feelings of the moment, Joseph didn't retaliate. He didn't seek revenge, but he showed grace. And what Joseph did that day was an example for all of us. You know, what we should do, how we should act when we feel betrayed or wrong, because it's going to happen if it has and it will. And at that moment in time, how will we choose to respond? But here in the Christmas story, when Joseph was hurting, when Joseph was at that place when, when, uh, when he, was, he could have felt bitter and anger and resentment, we see that he chose 
grace. He chose grace. I mean, wouldn't it have made it a lot more sense if, if, if our Heavenly Father would have sent the angel to Mary and Joseph at the same time? I mean, when they were together. I mean, I mean come on, Danny. I mean, it would be a whole lot easier if you and Debbie were sitting there and here it is, the Lord sends an angel to both of you. But no, he decides he's going to send it to Mary. So Mary's got this information. Joseph gets approached. He's like, man, he's like a deer in the headlights. What are you talking about? It would have been a whole lot easier if they would have been there at the same time when the angel came, but it did not happen that way. Here's Joseph hurting, but instead of retribution, instead of vengeance, he chose grace. On one side, you've got Mary who's struggling with fear and anxiety. On the other side, you've got Joseph that is wrestling with bitter and anger and and, uh, in the unknowns. And we've got the same thing going on in marriages today. Relationships today, 2,000 years later. And just as Joseph had to make a choice, we do too. Look at, look at the story here in the book of Matthew. Flip over to the gospel of Matthew for a second with me. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This is what it says. This is how Joseph... This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he's decided to break the engagement quietly. Instead of the obvious things that he could have done out of bitterness, resentment, to cover his own reputation, he chose Grace. You know, when you're hurt, how do you respond? You know, maybe there's a situation that's just surfaced in your mind. Maybe there's a, a personality, a name of somebody. Are you still hanging on to that hurt? Because you can't be bitter and joyful at the same time. I wrote something down. I thought to myself, you know, you can call bitterness a grave emotion because what it does is it digs a hole for us to crawl into. Bitterness does nothing to right the wrong and only prolongs the pain of the past. And what in the world is it that that we think that holding on to to hurt and in some way will help us right the wrong, get even? But before we knew, before we were ever born, God knew that we'd be here today and that we'd be discussing this subject. And this isn't going to cost you anything. It's free today. But today, wouldn't it be a great day to take off some of those chains that have been holding you back, that have been been holding you under? Wouldn't it be a great day that instead of experiencing bitterness and resentment to say, I'm done with that. Man, I want to be free. Begins with a decision, a choice to let go and forgive. And some of you are thinking, yeah, That's easier said than done. They don't deserve my forgiveness. And I know that. I know that. Um, But neither do we. See, we don't deserve God's forgiveness. Yet how many times does God forgive us over and over and over and over? And we don't forgive other people because they deserve it. But we forgive other people because we can. Because, see, forgiveness isn't about them. It's about us. I'm not going to let you steal my joy. We have the ability, just like Joseph did at that time, 
Instead of choosing bitterness and resentment, he chose grace. If fortunately, God would eventually send an angel to him to shed some light on what was going on. Look at what he said in verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people of their sins. Mary, when she was afraid, she chose to trust God. Joseph, when he was hurting, instead of bitterness, he chose grace. And you may say, I don't have that strength. You have no idea how hurting, how bad I'm hurting, how, how, how deep the pain is, and you're right. I don't, but God does. And yet, isn't that the whole reason why we celebrate Jesus' birth? Isn't that the whole reason that we celebrate Christmas? Because the power to forgive isn't something that's, that, that's because of us. It's not because we're strong enough, but it is a result of Christ in us when we choose to receive the gift of Christmas. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. We can choose joy. Let's look at one more inside the story, that of confusion. Confusion is another enemy that that will suck the joy away from us. When we look at the characters, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds who were watching over their fields or their flocks by, by night. Then there was King Herod. I mean, this guy was confused. I mean, all he knew that there was supposedly this word of the king of the Jews that had been born, and the scripture says it wasn't just him, but all of Jerusalem was in an uproar because there was this news of the Messiah being born. And then the wise, the, the wise, the wise men, yeah, those guys, can you imagine guys with no maps, not willing to stop and ask for directions? The only thing they had was a star, and they would leave from there they were in the east to travel towards the west. Only thing they knew was that something was going on, and they didn't want to miss it, and they headed out with the information that they had. We know that because in Jerusalem when they arrived, there were some questions but even in the confusion and even in the lack of details that they have, the wise men chose to take one step at a time towards the light. Do not miss that statement. The wise men chose to, by faith, take one step at a time, one foot before the other towards the light. This is the story that we find in Matthew chapter 2 in reference to the wise men. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About the same time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. Where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. I want you to make note that the wise men were seeking after God. They, they were serious enough about what was going on to invest their time, their resources in in this journey. We think they maybe were from Persia, which would have been modern day Iran, some eight to 900 miles away. And tradition says that there's three wise men because of three gifts. We don't really know how many that there were, but they get this information of the birth of the Messiah from the writing probably from the prophet Daniel. And they took what they had and they headed out and in that search, God provided a light for them. And they, when they arrived in Jerusalem, they start asking the questions about the birth of this newborn king, this king of the Jews. And buddy, it did not set well. I don't know if you need to go back and read sometime. This guy was rough. 
And anything that threatened his family, he was, he was going to take it out. I mean, he killed children, he killed wives, he killed, he killed his mother-in-law. I need to remind my mother-in-law of that. <laughs> She'll be here in the next service, so I can tell her that. I mean, this guy was terrible. He would kill anybody that threatened his kingship. And this is the story as it goes on in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. After the interview, the wise men went their way. And, they, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Sounds like a song, Brian. Yeah. And so here are these, these guys they didn't have GPS. They didn't have Google Maps. All they had was a light, which eventually led them to the presence of Jesus. Think about it. I mean, you would think that maybe God would give them a whole lot more details. But if he would have, they would have never had to trust him. And it's the same thing with us. Just as the wise men didn't give up in their pursuit of Jesus, my prayer is that you won't either. Because see, there are some of you here that are searching. Some that are listening today that are searching. And it would be so easy to give up. But just as the wise men have the light, God has given us the light. God's word is a light unto our feet. And a light unto our path is what the scripture tells us. I was hunting one night with some boys. Some hogs were tearing up some property. And years ago, I was a lot younger, slimmer. I could move around a lot faster. Shot a hog. Here we are pig runs off into the middle of the swamp. I go in after the pig. What are we going to do? We got to go get him. I mean, it was thick. When I mean thick, it was thick, thick, thick. It was thick. It was dark. It was a cold, cold night. The stars were out. It was clear as a bell. And every time somebody would talk, that sound would just roll around in that swamp. Finally, we made it to the pig and we walked around in circles, I know, for 30 minutes, dragging that 300-pound hog around. I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm thinking, we're never going to make it out of here. I mean, it was, it was just, we were, we're wall to wall with, with thorns and thistles and vines. And I thought, this is crazy. And then it dawned on me. Holler out, because they could hear us. Holler out and tell them to turn the truck on and turn the lights on. And that's what they did. And through all those vines and everything that was in there, I could catch every once in a while just a, just a glimmer of a, of a light, a light. And we made it out. And for some of you, you may feel like you're wandering around. It's not because you're, you're lost in a swamp, but you're struggling in, in life. Here are the wise men. They finally arrive, and the Scripture says in Matthew 2, verse 11, they entered the house, house where we're some time out from the stable. We've moved from the stable now in a house. And they saw the child with his mother Mary and noticed their response. They bowed down and worshiped him and they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And there's two things I want you to remember as we close. Two things that the wise men did when they encountered baby Jesus. It's the same thing with us. Number one, they bowed down and they worshiped him. The ESV says they fell down the second thing was they opened up their treasure chest. You know, it's, it's pretty humbling when you come face to face with Jesus. It's extremely hum humbling when you come to the place of meeting Jesus face to face and you realize the extent that he's gone to save us. See, we're, we're on the other side, people. 
We have the written word to tell us what took place at that time. We know, we know what happened. We, we have the ability of recognizing what Christ has done. And when you do that, you don't want to give him your leftovers, but it says they opened up their treasure chest. They gave him the best of what they have. And as I finish up, you know, as we celebrate Christmas, where's your joy? See, some of you may just be going through the motions, just trying to make it through. I mean, this is Christmas season. You're, you're anxious. You're overwhelmed. There's some of you that are walking through this time, and you may just be holding on to bitterness and resentment of past hurts and pains, and you can't seem to get beyond it. And up until this point, you've refused to forgive. Some of you may even feel justified in your thoughts and your feelings. Can I ask you a question? Where's that gotten you? What good's it done you? Then again, maybe some of you have lost your joy because you're in a season of confusion, struggling. <laughs> but isn't that why we celebrate Christmas? The announcement was made 2,000 years ago. That announcement that the angel made is still applicable to us today. Don't you be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Joy is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. But it's a choice. And every one of us have to make a choice how we're going to choose to respond. Instead of being anxious or worried about the circumstances we're facing or holding on to bitterness or wandering around in the, in, the, in the confusion, we have the ability to choose joy by trusting him. One of the best prayers you could ever pray at this time of the year, at any time period, is the same prayer that we see that David prayed when he was confronted with his sin. We find in Psalms, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't, do not banish me from your presence, but don't take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. It's choice. How are you going to respond? Would you pray with me today? Jesus, in our time, I am reminded, Lord, we can walk into this time anxious and fearful, bitterness and resentful, confused, and continue to hold on to it. Or Jesus, we can let go of it and say, Father, give me joy. Help us to know what to do. And in these days ahead, Father, be your light to this world. I pray that as we celebrate this time, Jesus, oh, Lord, we would just be reminded of the hope, the love, the joy, and the peace that you bring. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Help us not to forget. Help that not to be lost in the, in the busyness of this season. For the person today that don't know Christ, doesn't know Christ, doesn't know you, Jesus, even today may be that day that they cry out and say, God, save me. 
Free me from the bondage of sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.